All right. We are in our last week on prayer today. Last week, I know. We decided this would be the last week. And then we're going to start in, we're going to have a break next week and do something different. And then we'll come back to worship. Um, I'm excited for this. It's an interesting message to me anyway. It's an interesting topic. It's, it's a topic on casting lots, which I haven't thought much about. It's a pretty simple concept, but I think there's some really interesting things. Um, where you, We could talk about prayer for a decade, a decade. Um, I just, I felt prompted like, okay, it's, it is time to move on. Like, we'll, we'll come back to prayer, obviously. I really think it's valuable, but I do feel like it's time to move on. I'm like, okay, so what do we want to kind of close the conversation with? And he's, God's like, read the book of Acts. And so I, I read through the book of Acts, and everything in the book of Acts, I point, I, there's, there's a number of instances where they get together and pray. But there was this one topic that kind of flashes through the first and second chapter of Acts that was really interesting and really significant as it relates to God's way of interacting with humanity and the progression that God imposed when he ascended and sent the Holy Spirit. And it obviously relates to prayer. It definitely relates to all aspects of life. And I just think it's really interesting, and so we're going to talk about it today, because I get to pick what we talk about. It's so fun. All right. Um, so casting lots. What's a lot, first of all? A lot is like, it's kind of like rolling dice, like just it, like literally rolling dice. Um, it's something that was practiced in ancient times. It, if you look up like what is casting lots, it, it'll say like it was a way of interacting with the gods so that you could get their perspective on what to do. Um, have you ever heard the expression like drawing straws? It's like something our grandparents used to do or whatever, where it's like they'd pick a number of straws or sticks, hold them in their hand to where you couldn't see them, and whoever either got the longest or the short, like everyone draws one, whoever got the longest or the shortest, they're it. Like that, that's how we decide what is done. Well, interestingly, in the Old Testament, and then in a very brief part of the New Testament, that's how they did it as well, when they wanted to know what God wanted them to do. It's crazy if you think about it. It's like there's instances, and we're going to look at these instances, but it was actually a practice that God endorsed where he's like, cast lots to know what you're supposed to do. I'm like, huh. And I'm thinking about that. Why would that be something that God would want or allow when he obviously communicated with people? There's something up. There's something to that allowance that God kind of built into the Old Testament Old Covenant, that actually comes to a stop at a certain point. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So what I want to do is I want to give us like a quick flyby of a few key passages. You could search lots in your Bible program, and you'll find there's about 40 or 50 instances of it. It's not a complicated topic. It's just like they do it. And it does, nowhere in the Bible does it say what style of casting of lots were. Um, it's really vague. It's like this is a normal thing they did in that time. And so let's take a look at what they did. So the first mention of lots, God is talking to Moses regarding Aaron. So, so when you're studying scripture, I think one of the really wise things to do is pay attention to when it shows up first, a topic, an idea, a thing. It's a really simple way to look at things. 
There's probably significance in it. It probably sets the stage for something greater. This is a really interesting story that we can't go into in a ton of depth, but the idea was, remember last week we talked about the Moses Tabernacle, right? We knew that there was tribes in Israel. As they come out of Egypt, they're, they're divided into tribes. The tribe that's decided to lead the priesthood is the Aaronic tribe. So they're the, they're the priestly tribe. Well, Aaron is the head of that tribe, and he has four sons. So here's a little story. As they're working in the tabernacle, and there's a ton of, there's a whole passage on this, but the two of the sons bring incense into the tabernacle. So you guys remember that? We talked about incense last week, the prayer thing. Right, it means prayer. Did we get that? <laughs> That's awesome. You got it. All right, so then they take, the two of them take incense into the tabernacle, and God strikes them dead, like on the spot. And it says this in Leviticus, kind of summing up what happened. It said, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. Um, it's really that brief and simple. They literally walk in with incense. There's debate on what exactly what it is, but God effectively says, like, they brought strange incense in. If you look in the Old Testament, they use the word strange a lot. What it means, it's like corrupt, compromised, not exactly what God wanted. Like, God gave a very specific direction on how that incense was supposed to be formed and used. These two sons brought their own version, or they came in at the wrong time. They did something out of order that's a little vague in Scripture, but it was significant enough to God where he kills them on the spot, sending a message, right? And Moses, in his interaction with Aaron, he's like, hey, don't cry about it. Don't tell the people anything, because what you have to do is you have to agree that what God did was right. It's not here in this passage, but he's like, don't show a sign, otherwise God will kill you too. Like the intensity around this interaction is like, holy smokes, different era where God strikes someone dead because either they had the wrong like incense recipe or they came in at the wrong time to try to honor God. Something very intense. So it's like God in the Old Testament sets this precedent where it's like when I have a way of doing something or when I want something done, you're going to do it or there's serious consequence to it. You can't play around as it relates to how you interact with me, right? Because this wasn't for them, this was for him. That's that whole thing of incense. And so it says, the Lord said, to, I'm going into the second section there. It says, the Lord said to Moses, tell your brother Aaron not to come just at any time into the sanctuary inside the curtain before the mercy seat that is upon the ark or he will die. I think this is an interesting thing. Like his sons had just died and God goes to Moses and he says, tell Aaron he can't come in here whenever he wants or he'll die too. This is a serious thing. And remember, this is Aaron's job, right? Forward going. Like he's the one that's supposed to manage all the tabernacle acts. And that is not stopping. He's saying, but you can't do it on your own. You only do it as prescribed by me. Very specific. And so I, okay, so before the mercy seat that's upon the ark, or he will die, for I appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. 
Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. I put dot, dot, dot. This goes on. He gives them like 10 things that he has to do in order to enter the presence of God. So he gives them this very specific list. And it says, he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots. So there's our topic. He shall cast lots on the two goats one lot for the Lord and one for Azazel. Okay, Azazel is called, it's like a scapegoat. It's a type of Jesus that's to come. It, there's a lot to that, but the whole idea is that there's these two goats as part of this list of things the Aaronic priesthood have to do. And one of the, one of the lists on this list is pick two goats, one of them you're going to cast lots for, the other is, represents a scapegoat. All right, I'm just going to point that out there. I, I want to set this up in the context of God being a very specific God who has very detailed instructions. And when he's interacting with Moses, isn't he telling him a ton of detail? Like crazy detail. Like what color your robe should be. Like what length your robe should be. Like how tall the walls around the tabernacle should be. How many pieces of metal are on the candles. Like everything is... Very detailed. How's he getting that information to him? He's talking to him. But he's talking now about the priesthood and the Aaronic group, like, and everyone that's to follow, that's to minister it as priests. And he says, Moses, these are the instructions for them. And within those instructions, he actually doesn't give them the opportunity to interact with him the way Moses is interacting with them. They, he builds a system where they have to cast lots to hear God's word and to know specifically what is supposed to happen. It's really interesting because we have this model of God's interaction with humanity and it's in Moses, but then as he sets up this whole order of the way he wants to be worshiped, he creates a like gambling system or he allows a gambling system because he knows Everyone after Moses in this ironic line, they're not going to hear him like Moses did. So he's creating a way for them to function in their role and get it right, or at least have grace over the things that they, they do without having that specific relationship where it's like, I can just talk to you and you can give me the detail. Okay, all right, let's go to the next one. Proverbs 18, 18, casting the lot puts an end to disputes and decides between powerful contenders. So this is later, right? Proverbs is later. So this is, in, this is like a biblical directive here. Like you can cast lots when there's two people that are powerful contending for something. Like Bethany and Kevin. When they're contending with one, ano with one another in this era, Instead of them just fighting to the death, because neither one will give any ground, God is saying, like, you guys could cast lots and just decide that way, and it will resolve things, because everyone knows that this is God's way of giving you the right outcome. You just cast lots, and it's not chance. This is God actually choosing the right outcome. All right, let's go to the next one. I think this is probably the most famous instance of casting lots in the Bible. So in Psalms 22, it says, uh, there's this passage, and then it set, makes this comment, they divide my clothes among themselves, and from my clothing they cast lots. And then when you read in John, 
19 later, it says this, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven into one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who we will get. So these are the Romans, not Christians. This is a common way of almost like gambling, right? It's a, it's a common practice. And so let's see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says, they divided my clothes among themselves, for my clothing they cast lots. So in John, and not just in John, by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it all uses this exact story. And it says, it calls back to Psalms, and it says this is an example, this is one of the prophetic fulfillments that was in Psalms that happened with Jesus. And that is what the soldiers did. All right, let's go to the next one. All right, final instance. Okay. And this is what I want to get into here. So let's take a quick look at Psalms. I forgot this piece. I want this one. Uh, let's read that together. And we'll go. Ah, come here. Sorry. It's like I have five kids. I'm trying to stay organized. This is weird. I have all. That's the only excuse I've got. Sorry. All right. Um, so Acts 126. This is so, so cool. I can't wait. All right, so Acts 126. You guys remember the story of Judas? He was one of the 12, didn't work out well, and he was no longer one of the 12, and he's, he's deceased. And so the, the disciples get together and they go, how do we decide how to replace him? And so what they did is they got together and they said, we should cast lots and decide how to replace Judas. All right. When does this happen? This happens after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. Um, and it also happens before the Holy Spirit visits us in Acts 2. What, I'm get, what I want to focus in on today is this, the transition that happens when the Holy Spirit arrives and a very interesting thing that ends once and for all for all Christians. Lots aren't used anymore. This is the last instance in the Bible of lots showing up. And what it says is, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias. Is that Matthias? 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 We'll go with Matthias? All right, Matthias. And he was added to the 11 apostles. Okay? Um, here's my question for you. Is there an aspect of your life that you're navigating and it's almost by chance, by your own kind of logic, or maybe even kind of a gambling approach with God, it's like a this or that, where you're reverting to a process in a relationship or not a non-relationship way of doing it rather than what happens in this next chapter when we get to the arrival of the Holy Spirit. It's a very simple message today, but I think it's really, really significant as it relates to how we interact with God, how we interact with life. Let's go to the next, next one. <clears throat> All right. So what I'm, what I'm kind of getting at is that I feel like when the Holy Spirit arrives, it's the beginning of a new way of life for all people who are following Jesus. 
you realize that the disciples who had walked with Jesus for years, they still reverted back to an old process when they were making one of the most important decisions that could be made in this era. Who is going to represent like the original 12 and carry this gospel to the earth and be kind of seen as one of the pillars in um, Christendom? It seems like they would have been like Moses by this point and just talked to God and God would have said, it's Matthias, whatever. Pick what, just see what feels right. Matthias, (laughs) Matthias. I just, I'm fascinated because when you read scripture, you see the prophets, they hear from God, these individuals, right? You see Moses, who was a prophet, who heard from God. And you see this way of following God for generations where they're, they're leaning into the law and then they're depending upon things like the roll of the dice with the intention that if it comes up red, we'll do A. If it comes up black, we'll do B. And it's really, really kind of fascinating to me. It's really interesting. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, I, I feel like we live this way a lot. We, we are not at the point where we're like Moses, where we're constantly interacting with God, and he can give us very detailed instructions. In fact, we almost build a, like a theology or a justification system around, well, it's weak to like need to hear from God all the time. It's better to use logic and like use the wise mind you have and use the, the, the choice systems that God has built into you and just, you know, kind of, he'll, he'll jump in if he needs to. Or if you really need him, you know, just, it might be good to, to spend a little time, but tell him what you want versus what the other alternative might be. And then if it takes long enough, you're going to make a choice. And I, is, it, is it wrong? No. But I think it's interesting that what happens here when the Holy Spirit comes is God changes everything so much so that they abandon a common way of making key decisions once and for all. How can a whole community of believers who are not prophets abandon a way of making choices to follow God unless they were suddenly hearing from God like Moses was? So let's look at this passage. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mush, rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the classic scripture for speaking in tongues. It's also the gift of languages. We're not going to talk about that topic today, but what I think is really interesting is the chapter right before this, we're trying to figure out who we're going to replace somebody with. There's 120 of us kind of hanging out and in, in the upper room by this point. We're a relatively small group. All of a sudden, this Spirit of God descends on the whole group, and it says everyone there is filled. And then all of a sudden, the whole culture and nature of that group's effectiveness and work changes. It shifts. Some of the key evidences of, of this change are Peter addresses the crowd. And if you read that address, that is not a fisherman talking to a crowd. That is like a profound biblical scholar slash communicator to all common and academic people. 
And all of a sudden, he's doing this dissertation on the fly, and it's like, whoa. And as you read in, in the book of Acts, any time any of these guys speak, it's like, this almost feels scripted. Like, this is crazy how amazing this communication is. And you remember the Jews would look, and they're like, wasn't the, aren't these fishermen? Like, they, they seem so, like, aren't these, these are the guys that were with Jesus, right? But aren't they communicating in a way that just, it's baffling. Like, how are they doing this? I promise you they weren't that before. All of a sudden they are that now. They're empowered to be and do in a way they had never been or done before. There's a mass conversion on day one. Peter, there's 120 of them. They have this encounter with the Holy Spirit. They, Peter goes out outside and explains kind of what has happened, and like 3,000 are converted that day. Massive. There's wonders and signs that follow us like everywhere we go. I mean, you guys know the book of Acts. I think it's really interesting as you look at it, money gets demoted and all shared, all. I, I actually think that's not included because that's how we're supposed to live. I think it's an amazing indicator that what dominates most people in life was just, it was leveled down to this very base thing where it's like, it's just not important. Every, like, just imagine it was us. We're all here, we're praying, the Holy Spirit comes, we start kind of explaining what's going on to people, people are getting healed and saved. It's like there's this wave of the significance of the moment that transcends what normal life used to be. And money's like, oh, what do, you, what do we need? It's not like, what do you need? Like, what do you need? I'll give it to you if I have it. What do you need? I got it. Yeah. And, like, and it's just this common thing. It's like we know that this wave, this, we're, this is God that's interacting with us. This is God that's here with us. This is the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. It's here. None of what mattered before matters now. It's just different. It's a new alignment. It's a new paradigm. Let's go to the next one. Is this my last one? Okay, thank you. I always run out. All right. Um, I think it's so profound that this, the New Testament Christians, post-Holy Spirit arrival, they don't need lots anymore. And I want to invite you into this same perspective. You don't need lots anymore. You actually are entitled to a relationship with God that was the same as Peter, the disciples, the apostles, all this 120 and then probably all 3,000 that were saved and then each one that's saved thereafter. They're quickly explained, the Holy Spirit that's in me, it's in you. He will guide you into all things. And I, I want to release you guys, one, from the law, where it says you have to be perfect in order to walk with God. Okay, you have to release yourself from that expectation that, one, I can fail this thing so much so that I, I'll get off track and do the wrong thing. And I want to invite you into a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he wants to guide and talk to me. You say, well, Vince, I don't really hear from the Lord. I'll say, okay, well, then we have to begin a pursuit. I'm not saying you need in like this moment to repent or do something different other than just to say, like, God, I'm going to be begin a pursuit with you. And it's different for each and every one of us. But we have to transcend a paradigm where the pastor and preacher 
Aaron, the, Le- the Levitical priesthood, has in, like inheritance from the guy who actually heard from God. Right? And so in the New Testament, it says we're kings and priests. The whole idea is that we, as those who have accepted Jesus into our lives, we become the new priesthood. We're the new Aaron in this new covenant. But there's a higher anointing and a higher access because of the Holy Spirit. It's the same for us as it was for Moses. And so this new covenant is actually a better covenant. We don't need Vince to give us guidance on where to go and how to live. We don't need another pastor or minister to give us insight so that we could learn how to follow the Lord. I don't need the visiting prophet to give me like instruction for my life. I actually have the Holy Spirit just like they did. And I can go wherever he dreams in my heart and I dream in my heart to go. And I can go with so much courage and so much joy because I know that's how he's made me. And is it wise to have friends? And is it wise to have pastors? And is it wise to like, have people to pray with and interact with? Absolutely. But I think that the, the miss is so easy because we can miss on the side of, I don't want to do this wrong, and I don't hear from God, clearly like they do. So therefore, I can't make these big decisions like Moses would have. I think that we're, we're selling ourselves shorts because what we want to do is we want to get back to a place where it's like, just give me ye- yes or no. I want red or black. I want, I want easy, easy, like, so I don't mess up. I, I forever would do this with God. I'd be like, okay, God, um, yes, like, do you want me to talk to this person, like, about, like, a promotion at work? Yes or no? <laughs> and he'd be like, you can do it either way. Um, I'd be like, okay, God, do you want me to go pray for that person on the street? You can. I'm like, no, 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 yes or no? Like, you can. Okay. Um, should I wear this outfit for this interview? <laughs> like, you say, that's, is that silly? It's like, well... I, like, and I, I go, I get nothing. So I'd say, blue shirt, white shirt. <laughs> blue or white? You can pick, Vince. <laughs> like, and I'd get, I, I'd get so frustrated because I wanted the right path. The core of it's the right path, but the root of it's fear. They're two different things, right? It's like, I, God is like, I want you, Vince, to... to to live huge, like I want you to read about Paul and go, that could be me. I don't want you to read about the guys in the Old Testament, like Aaron, and he's like, okay, which goat should I pick? There's two here. I don't want to pick the wrong one. I don't want to, I don't want to get killed because I made the wrong choice in the temple of God. And I'll tell you, you guys have a whole lifetime where you start to equate your decisions with this like weird level of religion where it's, where it's not you in relationship like Moses was in relationship. It's you in fear like Aaron was probably in fear. And God is saying, I want to lift you out of fear. And the reason you're qualified to get out of fear is because the Holy Spirit is in you and on you and around you. And he will guide you into all truth. And he will lead you where you need to go. And the Bible says he makes our path straight. And so there's this combination of like, I know he's in me, I know he's on me, 
and I don't have like the red or blue or white or color like choice from him, but I'm going to step and I'm going to listen and I'm going to step and I'm going to listen and I'm going to step and I'm going to listen, but I'm going to keep going because when you read about our heroes, they just, they, they did so much, but they were listening like in detail. But I want to encourage you guys, get, get into the detail of the heroes post Holy Spirit and pay attention. Now Jesus, he had Holy Spirit. And so he says, I only did what the Father did. And he does these amazing things, and he goes into these amazing places. He chooses to go into all of these locations he should never have chosen, but the Holy Spirit was leading him in. Paul goes into all of these places, and he was, like, I'm, I, he was drawn, and then he was prohibited at times. He didn't go to Asia. I read that this week. I was like, oh, my church isn't going to like that. He had to pass right by Asia. How do you guys feel about that? Huh. thought that was weird. <laughs> but the gospel got there eventually. There was a reason, right? Like, like God prohibited him. And it prohibited. I'm being sarcastic and funny. If you don't know me, that was that was not offensive. It was not meant to be offensive. <laughs> like, no, I just like. There's times where God's like, "Go here, don't go there," and and Paul was leaning so aggressively in. He wasn't waiting to do something right or wrong. He was listening, just like Moses listened with the crazy detail and the crazy expectation that God is in relationship with me, and yes, of course, he'll tell me where to go and what to do, but it's, it's, it's such a higher level of expectation that they had for their lives. And so what I want to invite us as a church into, it's like this is, this is the conclusion of our prayer topic. Prayer so often is an indicator of how you view God, how you think of him, and how you... How you um, Believe in not only him, but your ability to interact with him. Because prayer so often can just be your list of like, please help me to make the right decision. Please give me the yes or the no. Please like, like come in a really specific way that meets a very specific need. We, we narrow it down because it's like we really want an answer. And I just want to encourage you guys into a place where when the Spirit of God comes on your life, the evidences of the Spirit of God show up 360 degrees around you. In everything you touch and do, it's done differently because the Spirit of God is on you and you're able to go with a confidence and a boldness that's impossible without Him. And I want to invite you into a life of prayer where you're you're face to face with him like Moses was. You're in the throne room without fear of not following the steps perfectly on the way in or casting lots to make sure like I'm worthy of being here. Instead, you're in a place where it's like I, I have the Holy Spirit, I have access to him and we are together and we can go anywhere. I can dream boldly about my life again. I don't have to be in fear of making the wrong choice. He will always provide for me. He will always care for me. Things will go well, but I can be bold. I want to invite you into that, and I want to invite you as you pray to pray with the knowledge that you're empowered by the same Holy Spirit that Peter was when he walked out of the doors. And he was filled with the ability to speak and communicate in season in a way that was effective to each audience that he needed to be effective in front of. If he was full of self-doubt and like fear, 
he wouldn't have been able to continue to go as he went. He eventually learned that this spirit is bigger and greater. It actually can take over and fill me not only with wisdom, but actually fill me with words. And it's a specific relationship, ultimately, that I want you to be after. I want you to feel like I am Moses Jr. Or Mosetta. <laughs> Mosetta. Is that good? Is that good? That's a good name, Mosetta. Somebody needs to ins- in, like, add that one in. I, I, I am, this is my, this is who I am because of the Holy Spirit. I am big. I, am, I can go anywhere. I can do anything. And I want you to just un-hitch like, yourself from anything that says, I have to be perfect in my execution. Like, that's where I think lots come in, ultimately. It's like, it's a yes or a no. It's a this one or a that one. In a decision like with Matthias, 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 um, he, that choice mattered a lot. It was the right way until the Holy Spirit fell that next day. And then it was, do you hear from me? And this is the last thing I want you to see. Like, it gets, you guys remember what happened to Aaron's sons, right? They came in, and they came in, and they, they offered something in the wrong way. Well, when we look at Ananias and Sapphira, post-Holy Spirit's arrival, something similar happens. Ah, I'm going to read the whole thing. Sorry. It's not there. It says, 5 verse 1, it says, But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife... That's a good way to do things, generally. Um, Sapphira sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Before I go further, in the chapter before, it talks about a person named Joseph. Um, The disciples eventually gave him the name Barnabas. He sold a piece of property and gave it to the disciples. He gave the whole value to the disciples. They gave him a name that was different. So in my view, when the apostles give you a new name, like Jesus gave people a new name, it's a high sign of honor. It's like really honored in our community. You're a different person. You're you're at a different level, your commitment. So Ananias and Sapphira, in like kind, but in a different way that we see here, they tried to do the same thing. So in some way, I think in their hearts, they were seeking honor in the community. Um, So with his wife's knowledge, this is Ananias and Sapphira, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart, watch this, to lie to the Holy Spirit? Why lie to the Holy Spirit? and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, wasn't it yours? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? Basically, like you, you didn't, no one told you you had to do this. You own this. This was totally your choice and your doing. How is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. Okay, not good. And great fear seized all who heard it. The young men came and wrapped up his body, then carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, tell me whether you 
and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. This is pretty intense. <laughs> uh, and she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead. So they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. All right, there's a fun story. This is post-Holy Spirit arrival. I'm interested in two things. One, Peter's response. Why did you choose to lie to the Holy Spirit? Do you think Ananias and Sapphira had that in mind in all of this? The place of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church is so high, so significant, it looks a lot like the very presence of God in the tabernacle that Aaron's sons walked into and compromised in their offering. Right? Because Ananias and Sapphira, they're giving a portion of their house. Is that a big deal? That's a huge deal. In this era, like, that is a huge thing. It's like saying, like, I sold a $3 million home and I gave you two. The problem is the root of their motivation was corrupt, probably the same with Aaron's sons. And there's a whole depth to this. I, I just, like, I'll draw the comparison and I want you guys just to think about it. There's, there's something to a purity in your interaction with God. But there's also this thing that causes you to understand we're in a new era. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. He is everywhere. He understands and sees and knows all. And for you to, to, to leap up into a place like Moses had to leap up to in his generation where you, you value the presence of God so deeply, and you revere it so much that when he entered the tabernacle, you know that Moses was holy in his approach. He was careful in how he interacted with God. He knew that this was the God of the universe he was interacting with. I think the challenge for us is in our moment, in our era, like Ananias and Sapphira, we, we want the honor of God and we want to be part of this great movement of God in the earth. But there's, we have the ability, if we're not careful, to forget it's the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was there in the mercy seat, the Spirit of the living God, is there in your room in the morning when you start your day. And he's listening, and he loves you, and he cares. But there's a, there's a, there's a depth and a seriousness to it that says, I could be like Paul because this is God that's here with me. And I, I, I honor that. And I know that he hears me and I hear him. It's like when, when we look at Moses, we're like, he was amazing. He was other. He was so different. Like God allowed him to ascend a mountain and see his face almost, right? It says he spoke to him face to face, but it's like barely, like he saw the backside of him and all that stuff. It's like God, Moses was other, he was completely other. The Bible tells us that we have access to the Holy Spirit just like Moses has access to God. And in the New Testament, Peter goes, hey, don't 
dishonor the Holy Spirit because you're dishonoring God and it's very significant because he carries all the power and he is accessible to you. You are a priest. You're Moses. You're him. You're like that. You, you carry that same potential, that same upside, if you will. And I don't, I, it's not, it said it obviously, it obviously like instilled fear in the community. But the seriousness of where they were and the moment they were in, it was like there was such amazing things happening. Daily, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Daily, healing after healing after healing. Testimonies of Gentiles and Jews being converted. Persecution where they're get, like people are getting chained up, beat up, many killed and martyred. And so it's an era where the seriousness of the move of God was like, it was everything. We're giving everything to this thing. And so I just, I want you guys to understand there's, a, there's not just a parallel there, it's a reality for us. And I want to invite you and myself into a place where we begin to elevate our expectations around not just living a life where it's like we make the right choice to go this way or like get the right apartment, you know, like get the right house, get the right job. It's like, no, I, I want us to ascend into a place where it's like we have a relationship with that Holy Spirit. And we start to understand who he was. And so when we pray, we're entertaining God, that God. It's not kind of, it's not, nothing but that. And I just think there's so much grace on our lives where he just like, I, I, he's like, little Vince, <laughs> like little Vince, like you have no idea who you're talking to, but yes, I'll help you out. I want it to get to where it's like, I have every idea. And I actually carry myself in a way where it's like, this is us, God. And I'm privileged to be here like Moses was privileged to be there. And I want that same result in my life. And I can expect that same communication everywhere I go. And, and this is available to you. It's not available to your pastor. It's available to the priests in the kingdom of God. We're all kings and priests because of what Jesus did for us. He invited us into a new covenant where the Holy Spirit is available to us. He's on us. And he's ready to interact with us and carry us into deep, meaningful things. And so I, I'm just excited that we don't live in the roll the dice era. I'm excited that he does come and communicate with us. And I'll just invite you to challenge yourself in this season. Challenge yourself in prayer. Challenge yourself to approach him with a reverence, but not a fear. Right? It's like a reverence, but not a fear. It's like I, I am joyful to be here, but I really deeply revere you. And I, I honor you as a wonder-working Holy Spirit that could do anything on earth. And I just, I'm privileged to be here. Now change me so that I can come back and actually see more and understand more of who you are. I don't want the third grade version of Vince to be the version that like comes to God every year. And it's like, I'm amazing. I have this awesome interaction with God. And he's like, yes, you're amazing. I want you to be in fourth grade next year, and then fifth, and then sixth, and I eventually want you to be in graduate school events. Like, it's up to me, though, to continue to come to him with great hope and great expectation, and I want the same for you guys. And so let me bless you today. I want to pray for you, and I just want to thank you because I feel like we're, we're being invited into deeper conversations around what's possible for Christians, it's be, and, and we wouldn't be if you guys weren't ready for it. That's the truth. And so I, I'm excited because we're not doing basics here. We're doing much more than basics. And God's inviting you to a relationship with him where you can go anywhere on earth with confidence that he's with you and he's sending you. 
You can go into any career. You can go into any location without fear of failure or fear of compromise because the Holy Spirit is with you. And I want to endorse that with you because I really feel like so many of you guys are being trained to go. And it's so, so important. And so I just want to thank you for preparing your hearts and be brave and be courageous. Take the next job. Dream big about the next career move or physical move. Like start to invest in greater hope around what could our future be because that's the kind of God we have. And it's not a yes or a no. It's a I'm walking with you everywhere you go and I'll empower you to do it. All right, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for this group. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to come and begin to plant seeds of great hope and expectation. Seeds that would say, I am powerful like the disciples were powerful, post-Holy Spirit. And for those of us in the room that haven't had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, I just encourage you guys to begin in your heart to invite him to encounter you in the way that he encountered them. And for those of you who have had encounters with the Holy Spirit, I'd invite you to invite him for greater encounters, greater interaction to where we're transformed like Peter was transformed, like Paul was transformed, conversions in our hearts where we can go with great courage and we can go anywhere the Holy Spirit sends us and know that there will be great fruit because we're going with him, the almighty God. Father, I just <clears throat> I pray against any fear that has gripped um, any of us for days or years. I pray, Father, that you would begin to break the shackles of fear that have kind of locked themselves into us over the years, whether it's through bad patterns or bad inheritance. Father, we invite you to begin to, to shake us up and to break these areas of fear off so that we can walk with you without a fear of doing wrong or doing the wrong thing, but a great courage to walk with you like Moses did, where it's like, turn left here, turn right here. Make this crazy decision here. Go with boldness here. Say this here, that we would just begin to realize we can be empowered to do exceedingly abundantly above all because we're empowered by you. And we can do great things on this earth. And so, Father, I pray that there would be a new wave of courage and enthusiasm with this group, that they would begin to dream again, that the dreams they've left behind would begin to just be sparked and stirred by your Holy Spirit. And there would be a relentlessness about them, that they wouldn't just accept um, a different path than what they've dreamed because it might seem hard or impossible. That is who you are. That is how big you are. And we want to live lives that are worthy of a big king empowering us. So, Father, we invite you to begin to rest on us and to empower us in greater and greater ways. I want to invite you guys, some of you, okay, let me do this. You can open your eyes. Let's, I want to invite you guys. I was thinking about our services. I was thinking about our time together. And I want to encourage you, there's, there is no opportunity for us to experience the greater like church versions unless it's you that's bringing it. And I want you guys to begin to ask God to use you in ways here that stretch you. What I mean by that is every week, there was a season in my life where every week I went to church, I would say, God, who do you want me to pray over or give a prophetic word to and why? 
and like, and I, I'm not, like, I know I can help somebody this week. And sometimes it would be like, God, uh, who, who can I give a hug to? Like, I felt, whatever I felt empowered to do, I wouldn't go to a service without making sure I was giving something to somebody else. I was, I was going to advance somebody else that week. And on the flip side of that, I would also come to the services and I'd go, I'm not leaving until I feel that I've had an engagement with you. Not just gone through the routine. Like, good song, happy, like, hug, holy hug, Elkin, holy hug. Um, th- that's not enough for you to become the fullest version of yourself. And so I want to encourage you guys, as you start coming weekly, I want you to raise the expectation level and, and start doing more for one another. And, and do more for God. And what I mean by that is, he's here and it's up to you to like break through whatever you're bringing in to get to him in your worship. And so over the course of the next month, we're going to be talking about worship, and then we'll talk about praise. And so I'm going to give you a lot of practical stuff, but I just want to invite you into a season where we can't just kind of keep doing the same thing and expect different results, right? I think we're in a really good place. We've been at it about a year, and I think we're getting better and better at a lot of the core things. There's a lot more joy in this church. There's a lot more hope than what it was when, when we arrived. I want the expectation to really start to rise, where it's like God is going to use me every week to help somebody else, and I'm going to make sure that I don't leave until I've, like, I've touched him, whether it's praying at the altar, praying with somebody before you leave, whether it's in worship, you kind of get a little bit more than you expressive or demonstrative or whatever it takes for you to kind of break through that week's Shell, I really want you guys to know you have permission. We got we to gotta start raising the bar a little bit. It's not a performance thing. It's a, I want your lives to start to really explode thing in a good way. So come next week with some expectation around I'm going to meet somebody and I'm going to help them and I'm going to meet God and I'm going I'm to make sure that encounter matters, not just for me, but for him as well. And it's going to be good. There's a lot of good things coming. So I'm so thankful for you guys. Good week. Throw all your dice away. Don't use them anymore in your decisions this week. (laughs) If you're gambling, you should probably stop that too. Just give tithes instead. It'll be better for all of us. Love you guys. Have a good week. See you later.